Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Formula One on One podcast. My name is Justin, and along with my co-host, Sasha, we will be reviewing the wonderful, amazing 2022 Azerbaijan Grand Prix. And let me just say, guys, this was this was a good one. It was amazing. Perfect race, in my opinion. We honestly could stop it right here, and I would be fine with it. But as always, please follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at F1OnOnePod. And please do not forget to rate us five stars on whatever listening platform you are listening to us on. Sashwa, how how did you enjoy the race? Um, Justin, honestly, I think I think we can agree, like from an objective standpoint, a pretty boring race. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, after lap like 30. And even after lap eight, honestly, and perhaps even after turn one of this entire GP, um, you know, we saw Checo get ahead on the inside line, Charles locked up, and then it was a it was a straight shot from there in terms of where the race was going. But I think still like a very good result from Red Bull, Justin, and we will get into it later on. But um, I don't know, man. I if I'm if I'm Ferrari, we are now eight out of twenty two races done. It is. You're looking at that panic button if I'm you. Like, if I'm Ferrari, I'm looking at that panic button. Yeah, I mean, it was an absolute just disaster class race. It, it truly doesn't get yeah. worse than that. And so that's two reliability failures for Ferrari today. Do they have more reliability DNFs than Red Bull at this point? Well, I mean, if you if you want to be, like, super pedantic about, it, about four, it, four out of the six um, Ferrari-powered cars didn't finish today. Yeah, exactly. Um, which is not a great look at all. Um, if I'm not wrong, Carlos Sainz is now our season DNF leader. He's tied with Zhou Guan Yu. So, you know, take that as you will. Zhou Guan Yu is also has... in a Ferrari powered car. Exactly. And Charles now has two DNFs in the last three races and has 12 points across those three races. And um, I think that is a which, perfect yeah. time to transition into our WDC standings yes. then and <laughs> Because now we have two Red Bulls atop the leaderboard. You have Max Verstappen, who won the race, who's at 150 points now. Checo, who came in P2, also got fastest lap. He's at 129. Charles drops to P3, 116, no change. George Russell secured a podium. He's in P4 with 99 points. And Carlos Sainz, uh, gaining no points yet again. He's now 16 points behind George Russell at 83 points. In the WCC standings, Red Bull has an 80-point lead over Ferrari, 279 to Ferrari's 199. Mercedes gained some ground on Ferrari. They're now at 161. McLaren's still struggling in fourth a bit at 65. Alpine and Alfa Romeo are keeping a tight battle in P5 and P6 with 47 and 41. Alfa Tari kind of in between everyone with 27. We have Haas and Aston Martin tied now with 15 points and then the lowly Williams, which still only has three points. Yeah. Um, Justin, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, the top three in the constructors championship have solidified themselves. This is now the biggest lead any team has had, I believe at any point so far this season in terms of WCC points. I know I said it in the Coke corner segment on Thursday when we released that episode that this was a, this was one of the first make or break weekends for Ferrari and dude they broke they they broke and i know like technically it's not the driver's fault but like what is wrong with the with the ferrari power unit right so carlos had to retire today under what was a suspected hydraulics or gearbox issue charles his engine just like crapped out and it started smoking um we know in spain charles's mguk and i believe one other portion of his power unit also crapped out so like what is going on at Ferrari? Who is kind of responsible for this? I know we, I think, rightfully clowned Red Bull for, you know, having a handful of DNFs in the first three, three or four races. But now Ferrari, like, you didn't capitalize on those moments, or maybe you did. But now in other moments, you've allowed Red Bull to just kind of eliminate that gap that existed. Like, you took your good luck and kind of just pissed it away. And now it is biting you back because... You can't expect to go an entire season finishing every single race. And when you had the chances to, you just didn't put the performances in. And I don't know how I can really be optimistic if as a Ferrari fan right now, right? That you're down 80 points in the constructors title. We're going to Canada next weekend. After that is Silverstone and then the Red Bull ring. And then Paul like, Ricard. These are tr- and then Paul Ricard. Yeah, exactly. 
until you get to Hungary, there's like no real strong or even likelihood track that can even support your car, right? Because we know, we saw today how good the Red Bull was down the straights, right? To like, be fair though, we advantage. did see that like in sector one and two, Ferrari was able to like gain a lot of their time yes, there. So yes. we, we probably will see that in the upcoming races where there's like, you know, we see the long straights and automatically we're like Red Bull's great. But Ferrari is still very strong at pretty much every other part of the lap. But yeah. but you're totally right. Like someone at Ferrari has to be at blame for this point. And like you mentioned, I mean, four out of the six Ferrari cars failed and all of them were reliability issues. I mean, Kevin Magnussen mm-hmm. was finally going to get Haas's first point since Imola. His car crapped out. Um, Zhou Guan Yu, his car crapped out. Carlos Sainz, we obviously, you just mentioned his hydraulic hydraulic or gearbox issue and then charles leclerc we aren't exactly sure what happened yet with him maybe you do but i haven't seen anything with it i haven't seen it's it's just marked as a as an engine dnf right now i don't think there's a like a any specifics on it yet i mean i'm sure if we like look at the ferrari report or something there will be but as of right now i haven't seen anything besides an engine failure for him yeah and it's pretty ridiculous at this point when it it looked like in the beginning of the season that we were going to have a very tight constructor battle and like i mean you you pretty much just like nailed it on the head in the formation lab dude i mean you're like yeah this is make or break for ferrari and look what happened red bull gets the most amount of points they could out of this weekend and ferrari walks away with zero so what what do they do at this point honestly i mean i don't know that there's like uh like any like straightforward strategy right because like I think rightfully we have we have had some choice words for for Carlos Sainz, right? In that like he needs to kind of pick up the pace. Yeah. Like, and this you know, wasn't his to, fault like, this week. Her. Yeah, I don't think and even in Spain it wasn't Charles's fault when he DNF'd and I would even say like in Monaco Charles's D or not DNF, but his P4 was a It was the Ferrari, Ferrari strategy mistake. Yeah. Like I, I know we joke about this or people on the internet joke about this a lot, but leave it to Ferrari to have a championship contending car and driver and then completely screw the entire thing up. Yeah. Like we saw this so often with Sebastian Vettel in 2017, 2018 and sure Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton untouchable and unbeatable at certain points of that season. But the fact that Sebastian Vettel had a contending car and was a contending driver and all he could manage were like a handful of race wins. I don't know. I just feel like, Ferrari has this kind of personality, this background, this track record of not supporting their drivers and making the incorrect decision at almost every single turn they're presented. Like their car is clearly designed well. There's good pace in the car. We see that, like, Justin, please tell me how it's possible that Charles Leclerc has six out of eight pole positions and has one traditional qualifying seven out of eight times this season. And only has two wins to show for it. Yeah, like uh, someone in the group chat said that Max has more wins from Charles Pole than Charles has wins from Charles Pole. It's exactly it's pretty depressing because you're right. This car can compete, and it looked like they were going to have a sick championship battle, but because of what is going on with their car, it just really is impossible right now. And it really seemed like Charles was able to keep up. Um, not with Checo. I mean. We saw on, on lap one, his car didn't really like grip, I guess, right away when he was upshifting yeah. and then um, Checo was able to pass him and then he built a gap quickly. But we saw in the beginning of the race, I mean, him and Max were like kind of going at it. Charles was get, gaining all this time in, in uh, sector one and two, and then Max was gaining all this time on the straight. It was it was a good car. It's just like you have to get that car to the finish line because I'm sure like worse comes to worse. He still gets P3 there. And for Carlos Sainz, I'm sure worse comes to worse. He gets P4. And while that would be like a very suboptimal outcome for them, like at Baku, I I think Ferrari would take that. But to walk away with absolutely zero points is just highness. It's it's garbage. There's like nothing good to say about them. And like you said, we're going to Montreal next week. And there's two huge straights there. And it's going to be extremely difficult, I think, for the Ferrari to keep up with the Red Bull, especially with how they've been performing recently. I mean, we barely hear any complaints, I guess, at least over the main broadcast yeah. from Checo or from Max. Like we heard Max say something about the pedals at the end, but like I, even as a Max fan, he is notorious for complaining about like 
every little thing about his car. And you know, sure, he's mm-hmm. a driver. Yeah. You want it to be perfect. But he complains about everything in his car. And it doesn't look like they're showing any signs of weakness right now, which I think if I'm Ferrari, that like terrifies me because they are running yeah. and they are not stopping anytime soon. Yeah, I mean... I, I will say that we did see this last year, right? Where Red Bull, they ripped off a string of victories towards kind of this phase of the season, obviously. Max won in Monaco, Sergio won in Baku last year. And it seemed like Mercedes were a step behind. Um, I will say though, like, I, I think you'll agree with this, that this year feels different in terms of that same setting where a Red Bull wins in Monaco, a Red Bull wins in Baku, a Red Bull wins in Baku and the quote unquote second place car in the championship um doesn't seem like nearly as far behind as ferrari does right now because obviously the car has speed right like charles leclerc took pole yesterday or two days ago on or i guess on saturday so yesterday on two purple sectors and one yellow sector on his time like that car is clearly very good but like again at ferrari i think one thing that has really let them down is the way they're doing car setups right like and the first time we really saw this and took note of this was at, um, what's it called? At Miami. We saw that Red Bull went with a lower downforce strategy than Ferrari did. And we saw how strong Ferrari was in sector two at Miami. But when it came to the straights, when it came to sector one and sector three at Miami, Red Bull was untouchable. And what happened? You got to a straight that had DRS on it. And Charles, even with his ERS, couldn't defend. It was goodbye, deleted off the leaderboard. Like Max, you can't hope to contend with that. And until such a point where Ferrari realized that they need to be a little more ambitious. And like, at this point, take risks with your strategy. Like, I understand you want to play it safe. You, you're trying to like do the most conservative Ferrari thing possible. Like that is their racing DNA. That is their blood. That's how they have been so successful. But at this point, you kind of have nothing to lose. Like, I would say right now they have a pretty fair, like sizable gap over Mercedes in the constructor championship. But that's not like, going to hold if they Canada. keep doing this. I mean, Mercedes exactly, is clearly exactly. very strong now with Lewis and George coming P4 and then P3 respectively. And if they can continue to do that while Ferrari, I don't know, keeps DNFing, they're going to catch up to yeah. them. Which would be, yeah. if I mean, Ferrari if Ferrari blow this, oh my God, that would be actually an all-time yeah. like fumble. It's, it's an all-time fumble because you start the season off with, uh like what? You started off the season with a 44-point gap because you won two with fastest lap. Red Bull double DNF, and now you're down 80 points. Wait, so how how many races did that 124 point swing happen over? So if you so after race one, it was Ferrari plus 44. After oh, right, eight yeah. races, it's Red Bull plus 80. Wow. So that is in seven races, you are swim you're switching 124 points. So by my math, that's like what less than that's so like 124 divided by eight. Is fifteen by and seven, a half. By seven. Oh by yeah, seven, yeah. One twenty-four. Oh right, right. I was including the first race. So one twenty-four divided by seven is seventeen point seven points per race, which is ridiculous. Yeah. If you're a front-running car, it just makes no sense that you like give up that yeah. many points. Yeah, and, and, and like, it all comes all back to just like uh, yeah, it, it all comes back to just like you have to be able to finish the race. It doesn't matter how good your car is if it's not getting to the end. And obviously, like mm-hmm. that's the most like brain dead like thing to say like yeah obviously you just have to go and finish the race but like seriously it's two cars that got zero points now like congrats you your weekend was just as successful as williams so like (laughs) yeah if you if that's what you want to take away from it then sure good job ferrari yeah i mean i don't think that like your take on like you have to finish the race i mean michael schumacher very famously said to finish first first you have to finish (laughs) like how can you expect charles leclerc like I know there was like that long running trend of like, oh, every race Max finishes, he wins. And like, technically that is almost nearly true, right? Like he's either won and he got P3 in Monaco. Yeah. So it's still, he's on the podium every race that he finished. Like Charles has already gotten like a P6 or something in Imola. Like, I don't know. It just seems like a very, it's just a horrible look. And it's just not the way you wanted to start off these first eight races if you're Ferrari. Like, it all seems so perfect through Australia, right? Like mm. two Charles wins, both of them were pretty great. Like the Red Bull Jetta, was looking like, bad. Yeah, like even Jetta, right? Like sure, Max won, but I would say that like it was a competitive race all the way down to like lap forty-seven, lap forty-eight of fifty, and absolutely, we were on the edge of our seats, like waiting to see what was going to happen, and was Max going to pull off that last lap overtake? Was Charles going to be able to defend with the DRS chicken they were playing? Like that's fine. 
But then after Australia, like, Justin, I know we talk about this all the time. This is giving us shades of McLaren after Monza last year. Yeah. They had a couple good results. And then all of a sudden they forgot how to set up and drive a race car to victory or to like put in good performances. Like what is happening? And like, where is the Ferrari like thought process right now? Like, I don't know. I guess if you had to put yourself in Mattia Binotto's shoes, like what are you thinking right now going into Canada, going into Montreal in like four or five days time? Like, what are you thinking if you're Mattia? Like literally at this point, you have to have the same thought process that I guess Red Bull did after Australia. Because look, Red Bull came back from this massive lead, but yeah. Ferrari, like 80 points is a lot. It's it's not a small amount. Yeah. Um, because that's what how, that would require well, like one, two, two two one twos with Red Bull's DNFing four times. It's yeah, a a a one two with fastest lap is just forty four points. Exactly. So you need to do that twice and Red Bull and not Red to Bull get has any. to score no points. Like, it's, it's I don't crazy. think you can count on a like a pair of Red Bull double DNFs ever happening the rest of the season. No, like, and I'm I'm sure that the Red Bull will DNF more than one time by the end of the season because that's just the nature of the sport. But that pretty much means Ferrari has to be perfect from here on out. And with what? Yeah. Like how many more races do we have? Do we really think that's gonna happen? No, definitely have, not. Uh, so we just finished round eight. We have round 22, so you have 13 more races. Exactly. One, two, Do you, three, four, five. Yeah, like, yeah, 13, 14 more races. Yeah, and I, I don't think that they're going to be 14 races of zero DNFs if they've already had this many at this point of the season. So it's kind of yeah. hard. And here's, a, like, we can kind of start talking about quality now um, because yeah. I was going to say that the Ferrari looked great during qualifying. Like, Obviously, Red Bull was saying that, like, you know, they were setting their car up more for the race, and I guess they did, and clearly it worked, but I truly was not expecting a Ferrari to be on pole, and then um, for Carlos Sainz to get P4 when they were more set up for that one-lap pace, it was kind of disappointing yet again from him when, yeah. you know, you really think he can beat um, one of the Red Bulls, and I I will say, like, I would not really expect Carlos to beat Max if he can't beat Charles, and Checo is just on a tear right now, dude. Like he is absolutely yeah. killing it in qualifying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously like, and, and this is something that like, I will like for maybe once this entire season, I will be a Red Bull apologist. I know a lot of people are going to have seen that message on the broadcast from Checo's engineer that said no fighting when Max overtook him down the straight. I like that is just a non-factor right now because Max was a second faster that lap. And I know like something similar happened in Spain, whatever the circumstance might be. But man, I know we talked about this in the formation lap and we've talked about it a few times already. But like the way Red Bull is performing right now, just on driver talent and driver pace. It's crazy. Like, yeah, the way Checo is outperforming Carlos right now, like I I don't even know if I can put it into words to like to be really honest. No, and the thing is, it's not even just like, oh wow, he's doing so much better than Carlos. Like Checo is having a fantastic season, and he's still going to be in the fight oh, for yeah, WDC yeah, yeah. for a long time. And unfortunately, he was slower today than Max was. And yeah, obviously the yeah, yeah. the no fighting thing. Some people are going to be mad about it online, but like Max still finished twenty seconds clear. Like, and yeah, Checo yeah. didn't seem upset about it, so he knew that Max was faster than him. So. If I have to get in a Twitter argument later about it, I, I'll do it. But like, I I'll be very annoyed about it. But one thing I want to touch on from qualifying is, I feel like a lot of times during these checkered flag episodes, I don't know, maybe maybe it's just me, but we focus a lot on you know those front runners, the Ferrari, the Red Bull, the Mercedes, yeah. and I just want to give a shout out to Sebastian Vettel for slotting yes. the Aston Martin into P nine because that that is really impressive. I was not expecting an Aston Martin in Q three, and he still even ended up qualifying ahead of Alonso. Like that is just a great drive from him. We know that the car is not really yeah. that great. And um the fact that he was able to push it up there is is very, very impressive. And he even had a pretty good race. I mean, um do we do you remember where he finished? Oh, he finished P6. P6. So not only did he qualify, get up to Q3, but he even improved his position after it and gave Aston Martin yeah. eight points, which more than doubled the amount of points they had this season because they came into this race with seven points and those eight points alone pushed him up to Ty Haas. So now because yeah. of Sebastian Vettel, Aston Martin is putting a lot of pressure on Haas to start doing well again. And I know you're telling me this before and you can totally expand on it now if you'd like, but like... Haas is not having a good season. Like ever since Imola, they they haven't done anything. 
Yeah, um, I think we'll save that for later on. I mean, I think we're kind of hinting at where our pick up the pace might be going. But, I mean, big shout out to Sebastian Vettel and Quali. Another huge quality performance, Justin. Yuki? Both Alpha Tories yeah. in Q3. Yeah, very um, impressive. Pierre Gasly, Pierre Gasly qualifying P6 ahead of Lewis Hamilton, by the way. Like, wow, that happened. And then Yuki Tsunoda in P8. Like, I will, you'll take that any day of the week, I think, right? Like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's very impressive, especially because um, I think Alpha Tari definitely has a chance to push up. To where Alpha Romeo is in the standings right now, they're 14 points yeah, yeah, behind. Yeah, for sure. And if Yuki didn't get scammed by his DRS flap today, and oh, you know, my God, yeah, dude. we we're, we're definitely going to talk about that when we you know actually go over the race. But um, Alpha Tari could have definitely been you know less than 10 points away from Alpha Romeo had that not happened. Yeah, and sure. I I think with like how they've been performing recently, we definitely are going to see them up in that fight for P5. Like, sure, they're quite a ways um, right now, but. Um, I, I truly think that they are going to keep like continue to improve and with the Red Bull powertrain in these next few tracks, yeah. it's it's definitely gonna help them a lot. So I know since you love Alphatari, this is like a great performance from you and Yeah. It it I really am, just was a good yeah, qualifying am, for them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, I know Pierre Gasly has obviously had a, a rough start to the season, a rough a pretty rough first seven races by by all account, which is a pretty significant amount of time in the season, I would say, of twenty two races, right? Like, but now to see that he's back, you know, he finished, what, P5 today, he qualified P6, like, a good, solid performance from him, I would say, like, mid-level points. It's kind of exactly where Alpha Tari are aiming to be and should be aiming to be, honestly, like, given how good their car is. Um, I hope that this is one of just many steps in the positive direction. I think and, so. And, you know, I think Yuki also, like, we've given him like great credit for what he did at Imola for what he's been doing for Alpha. Yeah, he's improved so general. much since last season, I think. Exactly. The improvement he's shown and now that he's gonna match Pierre. Um and you know, I think Justin, we both I think maybe one of us or both of us predicted that Pierre and Yuki would have the biggest points gap between teammates this year. Um yeah, Yuki's proving us wrong. And yeah. as an Alphatari fan, I am more than happy to be proven wrong. Um so you know hopefully, you know, a lot of season left and I hope that AlphaTauri continue to make these positive steps because this is definitely a very, very positive result for them as a team, both just in quality, but also I think a very successful weekend as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And before we move on to talking about the race itself, there's one thing about quality that I thought was so impressive that really just shows the difference between the Red Bull and the Ferrari and the rest of the cars. So Charles Leclerc had a 141.359. Carlos Sainz in P4 was four and a half tenths behind him. And then um, George Russell, nearly a second behind Carlos. Pierre Gasly, over a second behind Carlos. Like, George Russell was the only one even within a second of one of the Ferraris or Red Bulls. And, like, you just yeah. don't see that. Like, last year, could you imagine if the front runners were a full second ahead of everyone else? Like, I get it's a one-minute yeah. 40x second lap, but that is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the amount of, I guess, technical finesse that, and we've known this, that the Ferraris are extremely strong in those twisty corners and the Red Bull dominate on the straights, but to see that the gaps are that big, I know it's the first year of a new set of regulations and clearly Red Bull and Ferrari hit it on the nail, hit the nail on the head when it came to it. And, you know, we know Mercedes lackluster development of the W13 and how that has been going, but to see that that's where the gap already is, I think is very, very impressive and a testament to how well those two teams have engineered their cars. But also when you think about it, it just makes Ferrari's lack of result so much more disappointing. And not to like harp on them, but like, man, come on with all this data, all these statistics. And Justin, I know I'm a big analytics merchant. I don't know how much you believe in <laughs> Absolutely. You know, those advanced analytics. But to see like all of those graphics, all of that data that's like suggesting that Ferrari is a number one or a number two car at worst and the fact that they are 80 points down with a 124 point swing in seven races, man, I, I like, even as someone who's not actually a Ferrari fan and just rooting for them kind of as your foil, like, it's just so disappointing to see that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, do you want to move on to the race now? Because I, I have so many thoughts about this race and you, yeah. like, like you yeah, said, it was it. a pretty boring race, but like, I feel like a lot still happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. There were, like, a lot of, like, 
funny battles. I mean, I know we'll probably talk about like Lewis and Ocon and the McLaren's shambles and yeah, the McLaren's and that whole weirdness. I think maybe that's worth talking about, especially considering Daniel Ricardo's future at the team. But um, was- yeah, let's just jump into Sunday. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the first thing, like, if we just go in chronological order, like, Charles locking up at turn one, his car didn't pick up yeah. a grip, I guess, and and Checo just breezed right past him. I mean, he was a full car length ahead by the time they even, like, yeah, yeah, entered yeah, yeah. the apex, pretty much. So, Checo went out ahead, got that gap, and then um, Max was right behind Charles, and very quickly, Checo broke away from those two, and those two broke away from Carlos. It was pretty immediate yeah. and then obviously carlos was way ahead of the field um so there wasn't much going on in the front i feel like a lot of the fun battles came in the midfield you know we had the two alpines yeah, we had exactly. the two mclarens um lewis hamilton fighting with the alpha taris at the end of the race we had a lot of I, yeah. i'd say this was one of the best races in terms of like midfield battles yeah i would agree um i know we also were I guess we got a lot of Kevin Magnuson airtime. Yeah. At least on the ESPN broadcast. He was um, up for points until his car failed. Car, yeah, DNF'd, which is, you know, another Ferrari issue. But, <laughs> you know, that aside, I mean, Kevin Magnuson, like, clearly there's that potential. I mean, he got unlucky today, I would say. But, like, seeing how he was kind of cutting up through the field, you know, obviously Haas didn't have a great quality. Um, but to see where they were, I mean, like, it's potential, but again, you need to be in win now mode. Like, come on, K Mag, like get us some points again. Um But it wasn't know, even his fault. Like, it was the Ferrari powertrain. Yeah, that like that that and is that is the true. thing is, I really I don't know if he would have like kept that spot, but like when when a DNF happens, you really can't make those kinds of speculations. Like, sure, he could have easily dropped um out of the points, but for the time being, he was in P ten and you don't know, maybe he was faster than the McLaren's. Um but it's it's really disappointing to see because, I mean, again, you mentioned it to me earlier. Haas has not scored since Imla, and Mick is still well in the back. He isn't really, you know, pushing the car to its limits like I think he should be able to, at least, like, compared to K-Mag, where we see him, like, on the brim of points, fighting for points every time, Where whereas Mick is kind of just, like, still hanging in the back. Like, I understand the car is not good, but when you see what the other what your other teammate can kind of get out of it. It's like, you know, that's kind of the same treatment we give to Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo, where a lot of the times Lando's able to get a lot more performance out of it than Daniel. And we harp on Daniel a lot. Like we, we kind of have to say the same about Mick. What is he doing back where Latifi is when, when K mag is up fighting the Alpines for like P10, P9. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we've had our, again, fair share of choice words for Mick Schumacher and I guess his lack of performance, the amount of money he's been costing Haas over the course of the season with his crashes. But, you know, I, I feel like he does, you know, I mean, like, we can say it again and sound like broken records. He does need to step it up, right? Like, like you said, we see what the car is capable of. K-Mag was obviously able to deliver points multiple times, even if it was at the beginning of the season. Maybe teams have figured it out, right? Maybe Haas is still figuring it out. And, Maybe there are points in their future. I still think Haas will score more points. I, I think so too. But like when you're in these midfield battles, you need to just like squeak those points out wherever you can, especially yeah, because yeah. like look at Haas and Aston Martin, 15 points a piece. Like obviously up front, like, oh, one point, two points isn't going to matter. But when that's like five to 6% of your total points for the end of the year, that becomes like yeah. these, these like misfortunes, like, I don't know. I'd say they're a lot worse when you're in these lower field midfield teams um, than like if you're a front runner where it's like, you know, this could really be the the season deciding thing. Like it could come down to one point and then there's a million things you can look back on. Um, And if yeah, like you look back at Baku, it's like, damn, K-Mag was slated for points and then his car failed. Like that really sucks. And that's not his fault. But there's two drivers on a team and Mick's car was able to go to the end. Mick has to get up there and fight for points. I know his car is not good, but it's good enough, I think. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like you said, where one or two points can make all the difference in constructor placing. Obviously, we don't know the exact figures, but those one or two points are very, very likely the difference between tens of millions of dollars. Exactly. The prize money difference is huge. 
And for a team like Haas, who we know, you know, they claim that their financial status is stable, even without the the Ural Kali sponsorship from Dmitry Mazepin, right? Like, it's not like you're going to say no to more money, especially as a smaller team. Like, it would help your R&D so much. Exactly. Like, you clearly have a capable car. At its peak, we know that the Ferrari power unit is really good. Like, we know what that car is capable of. We know what that engineering is capable of. And to not be delivering. And, like, I know maybe they're not always going to be in points contention. But when the opportunity arises, you need to steal points. Like, you need to be able to just grab them out of nowhere. And, like, who cares if you sneak by a P10? Like, one point is one point. Especially for a team in P7, P8. Like, what, Haas's? Yeah, Haas's P8, Aston Martin. Well, Haas and Aston Martin are tied for P8 right now. Oh, okay, okay, sure. But, like, I don't know. It just seems like you just need to be doing a little bit more in those kind of niche situations to make sure that this kind of stuff doesn't happen. And, like, in those moments where you are so guaranteed and close to getting points that nothing goes wrong and you can just, like, squeak by a P10 and get one point and move on with your weekend and be pleased with the performance. That's it. Exactly. And... Especially when there's so many DNFs, um, especially of people who would be in the points. Like when two Ferraris are out, it's like that's two more spots in the points. And I feel like, you know, those are your best opportunities to score. And Seb took advantage of it and slotted himself up into P6, got his team another eight points. And that's absolutely massive. Like there is no better time for these lower field teams to get points than when people that are always in the points are DNFing. And if you can't even score during like these kinds of races, like, come on, there were only five cars that didn't finish in the points and the Williams are garbage. And what wasn't, yeah, Mick was squished between the Williams and um, so was Yuki Tsunoda, but Yuki Tsunoda got scammed by his rear wing. Like, can we talk yeah, about exactly. that for a second? Yeah, no. And that's, that's like, it feeds right into this Haas points thing, right? So we look at, there were out of the five cars that DNF'd, Charles, Carlos, and Yuki all in the points before they finish out of the points. So that means you just need to be P13 at the beginning of the race and you would have been in the points. And you're telling me neither Haas could manage that? Like, come on. That that seems a little like... Again, K-Mag totally could have. He just got scammed. That That's true. But Mick, like, come on, man. Are you like, you have to beat the Williams? Like, the Williams are clearly the worst car this year, despite what Alex Albon has done. And like... Obviously, we have I'm not given like Alex Albon enough love for how like he is not even consistently like like Latifi's always down P20 P19 P, like I feel like I always see Albon around P13 and P14 which you know obviously it isn't in the points so he's getting just as many points as Latifi is but in those races um but it's still very oh, okay impressive wait, Justin, actually able yeah what's up this is this is this is gonna be a on the fly tur- or turn one trivia okay oh, okay okay I'm ready what is Nicholas Latifi's lowest finishing position this year? That was not a DNF. His lowest that wasn't a DNF? Um, he only has one DNF, to be fair. So. Oh, I don't know. P, like, 17? P, 16. Oh, really? That's actually kind of impressive. Yeah, he's been P, 16, P, 16, P, 16, P, 14, P, 16, P, 15, P, 15 in the races he's finished. Yeah, but also that's because there's TNFs in all those races. Yeah, I, I know. It, yeah, okay, now funny, now like, go through those again that. and tell me which, <laughs> tell me how many drivers that finished, finished below him. Like, probably not as many. Um, exactly. Well, it's okay. He did beat, he did beat, he did beat Daniel Ricciardo at Imola. <laughs> well, Everyone beat Daniel Ricciardo at Imola, so <laughs> that is true. That is true. Oh, okay. Um, well, okay. We'll get to the McLaren in a bit, but first, no, I yes, want to talk yeah, about Yuki's absolute. Yes, I, like, yeah, I also what, too. What happened there? I mean, like half his rear wing opened um, one time, and I, I guess they called him into the pits because it was, I guess, detrimental to it's the rest damaged. of his race, and so they yeah. run out to the car and. They're, like, literally using duct tape to tape it back together, which I think it's pretty hilarious that, like, this car that is, like, you know, tens of millions of dollars of R&D going into it, and they're just slapping duct tape onto it. And you made... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget who said it, but someone made a great point when we were watching the race, and they're like, why didn't they have the pieces of duct tape pre-ripped to start taping it? Like, yes, that, yes. I, I don't think it would have been enough to, um you know, get him back up into the points, which really hurt because 
AlphaTauri was like correct. They could have really, like I said earlier, pushed themselves up closer to that like P6, P5 battle. Um, I agree. But Yuki obviously unlucky with that rear wing. I mean, that's like completely uncontrollable. I feel like you just get those are. That's just one of those issues that it's like. I can't believe that happened to us today. But it's so funny that yeah. they come out with this roll of duct tape, like completely unprepared to start like taping this thing up. Yeah. And oh God, I, I felt so bad for him because he was having such a good race as well. Yeah, my thing is like, I wonder what could have happened because we saw that his DRS was able to close. And then they, after he went out with the duct tape, they obviously told him, don't use DRS if you have it. So like, why did he need to stop? Yeah, then the just, like, don't like, use DRS. That, yeah, that was my question. I mean, maybe, like, his... My only, like, I guess idea is that maybe his rear wing was flapping up and down and, like... Oh, and it was causing downforce issues? With, yeah, and he wouldn't have been able to turn after certain points on the straights. Maybe that's what it was. But other than that, like... I mean, fine, give him soft tires. And, yeah, he has, like, a tire advantage for the last 10 laps, but... Doesn't like, matter at that what? point? Not really. You, you you threw points away, I would say. Like, I think that, I mean, I mean maybe this is just the... To the, be fair, the we copium, do record these, like, like, right after the race ends, so we don't know the full true, extent, true, full true. story of, you know, of agree, the driver's issues. But, like, obviously the first instinct is, you know, maybe he could have just, like, he would have dropped places, of course. But there I feel like if he was left out there, he probably could have still been completely fine and he finished like in the points. P- he was like what p6 with he like le- like Lewis. less than 15 laps left yeah i mean because he pitted and like i think he pitted on lap 40 of 51 um so like what just like i, I don't know it-, it was just a perplexing move overall but again like you said maybe there's more to the story um that we don't know and i guess needs to be investigated <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, if more comes out about it, we can talk about it next Formation Lab episode, but it's just very weird. Now, Sasha, I would absolutely love your perspective on this whole, like, McLaren shenanigans that was happening during the race. Because first it's first it's Daniel Ricciardo complaining about Lando's pace at the beginning, and then Lando's at the end of the race complaining about Daniel not pushing hard enough, even though he's, like, 2.7 seconds behind Daniel. Like, what, what was going on there? Um... I think, well, I'm going to be honest with you, Justin, as, as, a, as noted of a Daniel Ricardo slanderer as I am, and I think we are both, you know, pretty fervently anti-Daniel Ricardo, or at least we, we, we have him on fraud watch, we'll say. What he was doing to be like when Lando at the beginning of the race, where he was like, is this his best pace? Like, I have, if this is his best pace, I have more. Like, dude, What? Is that really what you're going to say eight races into a season where you've had, like, one points finish, if I'm not wrong? Like, let me look at Daniel Ricciardo's points, right? P, yeah, he's had two points finish, and only one of them was, and one of them was today. You had one points finish in Australia, which is, like, two months ago. You have no right to speak about outpacing your teammate. I think it was, like, I don't know if it's disrespectful, but, like, you haven't earned that right this season, and you haven't earned it based on anything you did after Monza last year. And to be honest, Monza was also a fluke win, right? It was a Hamilton Verstappen DNF, and then Bottas was in third afterwards, right? Like, and he had engine penalties at that race. So, like, what has Daniel Ricciardo really done at McLaren to kind of earn that ability to question the team's perspective to favor their future driver or their future young star in Lando Norris? I, like, and also, where was the pace? Didn't they just swap positions and then no positions were gained outside of... Yeah, they still finished P8, P9 anyway. Yeah, exactly. There's, like, Like, I didn't really get that whole infighting. And it makes me really wonder what the relationship is like there with the drivers. Because, like, obviously they're driving and, you know, we, we can read so much into it. But, like, I feel like as podcast hosts, that's, like kind of the whole point of what we should be doing. We should be reading too much into it. And it's just like, it was very weird that they were so adamant about passing each other. Like it felt, it felt like it was personal. And obviously like, I'm just saying that to stir up some drama, but it's just like Lando yeah. was two point X seconds behind Daniel. And Daniel was already mm-hmm. saying at the begin, like at the very beginning of the race, like, Oh, let me pass him. Like what? Obviously Daniel has a lot to prove because he is definitely on the hot seat. He might not get a seat next year at this rate, or if he does, it won't be at McLaren. So 
like this infighting is just it's gonna hurt the team more than it's gonna help it obviously because fighting is never gonna help um just look at spain 2016 and um yeah yeah exactly but it's just like dude you guys are in p8 and p9 like how about you work together to try to go catch alonzo somehow because like he was slower than you guys and you still couldn't pass him at the end and i think daniel ricardo's engineer was like hey can you like go faster please um to at least keep the pressure on alonzo and dan daniel ricardo was just like oh uh i can't get any more out of the car and it was like dude come on really you can't get anything else out of this car it's it's pretty disappointing because i feel like they could have at least gotten a few places higher um but they they just seem to have bad days i guess i mean p8 p9 is only six points which if you're the p4 team i mean they're kind of solid i don't think they're going to go up or down um unless alpine makes like a sick run on them which you never know it could happen i mean they are only 18 points behind mclaren right now but uh unless they have an epic collapse like post monza again i really don't see um mclaren changing constructor position at this point so i guess the whole thing is like the drivers want to finish higher in the driver championship than each other because if daniel ricardo finishes like tens and tens of points below lando norris that is going to reflect very poorly on him at the end of the season yeah i mean if we just want to reflect on the like alpine versus mclaren points differential right so lando norris has finished seven out of eight races and he scored points at six of them he has one podium this year esteban ocon has finished all of his races this year and has points at six out of eight of them fernando alonso has points at four out of eight races and he has points in the last three races running daniel ricardo has two points two sets of points all year that's Um, so bad like that's so bad for a constructor in p4 we harp on this Carlos versus Checo thing for like, you know, second drivers have to help out when it comes to the constructor title. But once again, Daniel Ricardo is fumbling right now. And like you said, his engineer told him, you need to stop like worrying about Lando. Like, let's like, what what, what was like the, the phrase? We laughed about it when we heard it. Like, you need to stick into Alonzo or something or like get stuck into Alonzo. And it was like lap 49 of 51 one mclaren as strategy what do you mean ricardo has been leading for at least five six laps like tell him to press alonso then two obviously ricardo can catch alonso the mclaren i think is a competitive car when it comes to the alpine like stop worrying about lando who's behind you and already has a contract extension and is already his future is secured at the team whereas you your team boss two weekends ago talked about how he was dissatisfied with your performance except for Monza and we publicly know that there's a clause in his contract that allows him to be removed from the team for performance issues and he can also terminate the contract if he thinks McLaren isn't up to like standard but clearly Daniel Ricardo is the one letting McLaren down right now it's not the other way around I would think Man, we <laughs> we went so long without talking about Daniel Ricardo. Like, I was really proud of us um, for a good while because it felt like it had been at least like an hour total of podcasting since our last <laughs> Daniel Ricardo slander, <laughs> which you know has to be some sort of record for this for this podcast. Yeah, Even twenty three episodes is. in, um, excluding like those beginning episodes. As soon as we started the season, we were just like fully on the Daniel Ricardo hate train. But no, you're absolutely right. It's it's really garbage to see you like getting mad about the dude behind you. Like go, go past Fernando yeah. Alonso and stop bitching, dude. Like it, uh, like in all fairness, like we can't take it away from McLaren. Like they got double points today, right? Yeah. Like as a team, that's a good result in the net, right? Like fine, whatever. It's only six points or whatever, like you said for P eight, P nine, but still it's double points. You show that your cars can finish again. Quali is a little questionable what they were p11 p12 mm-hmm. to start the morning um i don't necessarily know how much that is going to improve and obviously they were helped out by the double ferrari dnf you know bumping up a couple places but still the point is that they were in that points area and like it's fine they they did what they had to do and i think we can appreciate that as fans of the sport but like what was going on during the race was just kind of like i would say annoying it was, it was just like a stupid like, cat fight yeah exactly exactly and 
obviously this is nowhere near the scale of what Hamilton Rosberg was in 2016 or leading up to that championship year. But like Ricardo, I understand that you are a driver that comes with prestige with that comes with 10 plus years of driving experience in Formula One. But Formula One, no one cares about your past experiences. No one cares about your past wins. Like that's a bold statement to make. No, no, no. But, yeah, like, but like, I get what you're of, saying. Like, of a vacuum of a season, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, so I feel like a lot of people really are like, oh man, Daniel Ricardo is still the man. He's still 2016 Red Bull, 2016 through 2018 Red Bull Daniel Ricardo. And they forget that, like, you know, he has to keep putting up these performances over the years and he's just not done it recently. Precisely. And it's very disappointing. I mean, he's, he's made so many career mistakes and I feel like they're finally catching up to him. And it started with him leaving for Renault and now it's finally biting him back in the McLaren. And, I don't care if you're uh, a DR3 fan. Like, he is, he's not having a good season, and I would honestly be surprised if he was in an orange car next year. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still, like, kind of coin flippy about whether or not Daniel Ricciardo will be an F1 next year. I definitely don't think that he will be an F1 after next year. I think this or next year are his last year. In I think so as well. I, I just don't see a team that, like, could really want him right now especially when you can like develop yeah. a younger driver at this point. Like when you see, I guess with AlphaTauri, like how much Yuki Tsunoda has improved in one year, it's like, Ooh, I would rather do that than take a veteran who's underperforming. Like exactly. at least when you bring back Fernando Alonso, he's still doing like decently well when he's not holding up the entire grid um, for petty <laughs> reasons. But, but like, it's so much better Dude. to develop young talent. Oh, also one last thing about the race. I don't have anything else to say after this, yeah, but course, when um, I guess like Sebastian, locked up or something towards the uh oh, end of the man. after turn two and then he like did that six spin move to re-enter i felt like yes. his race was yes. over at that point oh yeah no so like vettel is known for like those spins the car yeah. around like that um so if you go back to silverstone last year um i think it was either during the sprint or actually during the race where you know like the straight that leads into cops corner i i know you're very familiar with that yeah yeah i am um but basically he got like trigger happy on the throttle and he spun his car and he went into the grass and he does like this grass spin move and it looks really cool. Um, and he like recovers his car, but beast, I guess like my only other note on, or I guess two notes on the race were, I mean, I would say Lewis Hamilton, like he had a pretty good race and we'll talk about him shortly, I guess. Um, but Justin, I know we talked about this in our preseason a lot and this is, it goes without saying how he was very unlucky last year. Do you think the luck, the bad luck, is starting to creep back in for Charles Leclerc? I think so. I mean, none of a lot of this stuff isn't his fault. And it's sad because he's he's a very talented driver. And we we saw some really great battles with Max at the beginning of the season. We thought it was gonna be a season long yeah. thing, and now now it just is like, oh man, I hope the I hope Charles can make it to lap fifty. And, you know, it's it's yeah. very disappointing. Um, as I've said many times, I, I just, I, I feel for him right now. It sucks because it seems like this could have been his year to win the WDC. And now he's he's maybe not even going to finish top two when it looked like it was going to be him versus Stappen one, two. Yeah, I mean, like he's had 12 points in the last three, in these last three races and I think he could easily had 50 or 60 points in these last three races, right? Like, the fact that he threw away, or he didn't throw it away, but Ferrari threw away a win of his at Monaco, you know, a win that he would have had very dominant over Max and Red Bull in Spain, that's another 25 points right there. So that's 50 points right there. And then let's even say for argument's sake, the Red Bulls deleted him on the straights. Mm -hmm. That's still P3 today and what, 15 points? No, like, yeah, 15 points or something. Like... Like that's sixty plus points that you've just ruined because of, of 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 no fault of your own, and now he's down what thirty something points in the WDC standings, and he's not even P two anymore. Yeah, he's like, he's currently thirty four points behind Verstappen. Like what a shitty position to be. Also, in Carlos Sainz right? is nearly at half of the points of Verstappen. If you doubled Carlos yeah, Sainz's I mean, points, he would only yeah. be sixteen ahead of, of Verstappen, which is absurd. Yeah, I think it's a I think it's a funny coincidence that um that Charles has one hundred and sixteen points. Haha, um, get it because you know, he's number sixteen. His racing number. 
Yeah. Um, At this rate, he's going to finish with 216. Jesus. Yeah. Like he's, it's not, it's not going well, but I mean, I think that's kind of my last couple of points on the race. I don't know if we've missed anything else super major. I mean, I feel like we're pretty comprehensive. Yeah. And anything we miss, we can cover in the next few segments. That is true. I was going to say we could talk about the the Williams mechanic at the beginning of the race, but I, I think that'll come up later. Yeah. So let's just start with driver of the day. I think we both agreed that yep. Lewis Hamilton should get this. Um, he obviously, oh my gosh, at the end of the race, he was obviously complaining about back pain because yeah. that porpoising looked very intense. I mean, even George Russell was like, this is like, you need to reconsider how these cars are built because um it's it was absolutely brutal for the mercedes drivers and you know george russell's young he's obviously very strong and if he's struggling then everyone else is going to as well and lewis hamilton could barely get out of the car at the end of his race you're like saw him Mm -hmm. struggling to stand and i was like dude i feel awful for him but you know he he somehow made it through and i think they were even i saw a tweet that total wolf said like they were worried lewis wasn't going to make it the race distance because of like the back pain yeah but he made it through um he had some overtakes on Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly, and you know he got himself a nice P4, barely outside of the podium, and and I think that's a great spot for him right now, especially with how the rest of the season has gone. And I, I think we're definitely seeing some improvements from the Mercedes team as a whole. Yeah, I mean, obviously Mercedes, they were not you know projected to do all that well this weekend because you know long straights, twisty corners, like they were, they could have performed well in some areas, but overall, like. Ferrari and Red Bull were going to be the two fastest cars, as they have been all season so far. And, you know, obviously Hamilton, years and years and years of experience. You know, two days ago, it was the 15th anniversary of his first ever Grand Prix victory. And, you know, I think all in all, he had a good weekend. He had a good race. Like when the opportunity arose, he took advantage of those ability of his ability to overtake and gain positions. And, you know, I don't think he he did anything wrong. Obviously, we can't really expect a race win right now but Mm -hmm. um you know i think i think like a a overall pretty very solid performance from lewis and um you know he did what he had to do today yeah absolutely and now we can move on to pick up the pace sash would you like to explain our selection we kind of talked about it a bit already yeah Yeah, i mean obviously justin when we when we first looked at this uh, we we were like oh well we can't just give it to mick again because you know we don't want to dunk on him too much and you know again we talked about him earlier and we've talked about him a fair amount over the last handful of weeks but haas as a whole man like what are they doing it looked Genuinely, so promising at the beginning of the doing? season it, it looked like they were in the yeah. mix with other cars and they just haven't scored points since imola and you know when kevin magnuson got p5 in bahrain we were like oh man they're coming, and that's still where the majority of their points have come from so far. Exactly. And, you know, we we have dunked on Mick a lot, but K-Mag is equally responsible for the lack of points since Imola. Imola was the third race of the season, or no, it was the fourth race of the season, right? So, like, you've gone half of the races we've had without any sort of, like, points or any sort of extended success or any sort of, like, viable result or delivery on the potential that you showed in Bahrain on in the like late March. It is now the middle of June. We've been three months and you're not delivering points anymore. Like, come on, you guys need to be doing a little better. And, and they got to get to the finish line. That's a little concerning. Yeah. Yeah. Another, that's what I was just about to bring up. Right. So they've entered, they've obviously had four entries in the last two races. They've only had one car finish. Obviously Mick crashed at Monaco and I don't know exactly what happened to Magnuson, but Man, that's a that's a rough stretch to have one car finish out of four entries. Like, and that one finish know, was just beating Latifi one time. Exactly. Like, I don't even know that there are a lot of track. Like, I, I don't want to say like track favorability for Haas because that's not like where they are right now in their developmental cycle with this car. But like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> if you're Gunter Steiner, I know we did this with Mattia Binotto, but if you're Gunter Steiner right now and you haven't scored points in what is almost two months, Justin. Like, what are you telling your drivers? What are you telling your team? What are you telling your engineers? I don't even know at this point. It's, it just sucks. That's all I can say. It sucks. I, yeah, yeah. I, I said it during the Haas episode when we first started this, and I said at the beginning of the season, like, as an American, you obviously want the American team to do well in a European-dominated sport, but it sucks when they can't really do anything Um especially when they showed so much potential 
at the beginning of the year, but hopefully right. they can turn it around, at least get some more points. I, I want to see them beat Aston Martin, but obviously with Seb's win, uh, not win, but like I would call it a huge win for the Aston Martin team overall. Exactly. It's, it's going to put so much more pressure on them now that they're tied because I'm sure Haas wasn't expecting um, Aston Martin to gain eight points and tie them. And now they're like, okay, well, the difference between P9 and P8 in the constructors is going to be quite a bit of money. We really need to kind of pick up the pace. Haha. Yes. Yeah, nice. I think the... that's, yeah, <laughs> got our, got our branding in there. Yeah. yeah. So what are we? Some uh, kind of suicide no, I mean... squad? <laughs> Don't be careful. We'll have to bleep. I'll have to bleep that one out. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot. <laughs> um, but I think that's kind of it on Haas. Like, as kind of simple and concisely as we can put it, they do need to pick up the pace. It's been two months without points. You showed potential. It's time to start delivering on that potential. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Justin, we can jump into Brad of the weekend uh, if you want to go first and kind of give your Brad of the week selections because. There were a lot of Brad Bradley worthy selections this week. My selection goes to the Williams engineer who pushed Latifi's car back when um <laughs> when he wasn't allowed to be on track anymore and gave Latifi a 10 second stop and go penalty. I thought that was hilarious because they showed it a replay after he like walks on the track, pushes the car back and then gives Latifi a thumbs up and then like <laughs> Five minutes later, they show like Latifi 10 second stop and go penalty for like um, infringement of something. I forget the exact wording, but I was like, bro, come on. Yeah. Um, and then also not to mention Latifi picked up another five second penalty for ignoring blue flags. Oh my gosh. Um, I just think like a really unfortunate set of circumstances for him to even begin the race because I think it was on like lap two. I think it was before the DRS was activated. That they they had the little graphic up that said um like car number twenty or car number six or whatever yeah what's his number I think he's number six right who um Latifi uh Latifi I can actually check for you right now because I like just had it up um Latifi is number six correct yeah so like is it like car number six or car six like LAT under investigation for a grid penalty and we were like what is a grid penalty and the only thing I could think of was like he didn't start in the right position or like he was too far ahead. So he got like an unfair advantage. And then when we saw the replay of his like mechanic or engineer pushing the car back and like touching the car, which is obviously not allowed. Like, are you kidding me? That's like the easiest thing to not get penalized for. I know we made a joke about it on like how Sebastian Vettel was disqualified for not having enough fuel in his car after Hungary last year or Aston Martin, not thawing their fuel out in Miami. But like, are you serious? Like, it's, this it's seems like one of the most basic things. Like, you do this every other weekend or every weekend, and you don't know not to touch the car after a certain amount of time. Like, I don't know. that It just seems like a momentary lapse of concentration and judgment, but still pretty funny, I would say. Absolutely. Um, did you have any other Brads of the Week? Yeah, I mean, mine were a little more things we kind of already touched on. My main one is the AlphaTauri pit crew for pretty much just not being prepared in general to fix Yuki's wing, whether it be like pre-cut pieces of the duct tape or even just the way they had it. Even if you were going to use uncut duct tape, like rip it off the roll, why didn't you have multiple rolls of duct tape out there? Are you telling me the AlphaTauri garage can only afford one roll of duct tape <laughs> for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix? Are you kidding? No, like, come on guys, let's put some thought into this. And they knew that he was coming in for like at least half a lap. Like that is a fair amount of distance when it comes to like the performance of a F1 pit crew. And then my other one is whoever in Marinello is designing the Ferrari 066 slash seven engine that powers four of the cars that DNF today. Like, man, if you are that powertrain development team, you are changing your name, you are fleeing the country of Italy, and you are starting a new life and faking your death. Because someone, some Tifosi is probably fuming right now, and is probably, has like a warrant out for your arrest, um, to be quite honest. But that's kind of where my my brat of the weekend ends. So if you don't have anything else, we can jump right into the weekend podium. Yeah, we can go straight to weekend podium. P3, given to Pierre Gasly, he qualified P6. He ended up P5, and at the end of the race, he was obviously overtaken by 
uh, Lewis Hamilton. But like we were saying earlier, I mean, it was just a very good weekend for AlphaTauri overall. I think it's very promising looking towards the races that are upcoming that, you know, maybe they're going to be up competing in like this mid mid part of the points, like P6, mm-hmm. 7, 8, which is definitely going to help them in their constructor battle. Um, but yeah, I think it was just a great drive from him. And Pierre Gasly actually pushed himself up into P10 in the WDC standings with that. So, you know, now he's at 16 points, which is very good for them. And I don't know. I just, I think it was overall a very good race for him and kind of a good turnaround. Yeah, I completely agree. Our P2 is then George Russell. George Russell, after eight races now, continues to be the only driver to finish all races so far in P5 or higher. That is an insanely impressive streak, given one, what the Mercedes has been, and also two, the conditions kind of around and the cars he's had to compete with. He's definitely beaten Carlos Sainz a couple times. Like He is showing what he can do, even in a Mercedes that is the third best car, and just how talented a driver he is. And I think he's proving a lot of people wrong, Justin, who who said that he was, you know, maybe it was too early to bring Russell into Mercedes. Maybe, you know, you should have stayed with Botas, should have extended him, blah, 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 whatever. I think he's proven a lot of people wrong. He's obviously P4 in the driver standings right now. He's starting to build a gap over Carlos, and his driving is really, really helping Mercedes maintain that P3 position in the constructor's title. Yeah, and then for P1, this is like almost kind of a spiteful pick, like almost making fun of them. Yeah, Um. Yeah. But P1, we are giving to McLaren because good job, McLaren. You got your second double points finish of the season. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight races in. Good job, McLaren. 25% of your races, you can score double points in the fourth place car. Good job, guys. We're very proud of you. I'm so happy that you managed to do something that you should have been able to do every single race. Yeah. Um, this is also their first double points since Australia. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just been the Lando Norris show. So, you know, I'm going to hope that this is, again, like AlphaTauri, a positive step in the right direction. And this isn't just a, a fluke like Australia was. Because if this is if this turns out to be a fluke like Australia was, Justin, and we get to, like, Hungary, like, I'm going to be calling for the public shaming and dismissal of daniel ricardo wow that's pretty intense dude like if he's justin are you telling me that if daniel ricardo has three points finishes until the summer break you're gonna keep him at mclaren a car that's supposed to be i'm not exactly like i am i'm sorry like if i'm zach brown and i know mclaren had their financial issues due to the pandemic in 2020 especially and maybe partially last year but man I am 100% like firing Daniel Ricardo if he has three points finishes or like less than four points finishes at the summer break. And I'm bringing in like Pato Award from IndyCar. Like, I don't care. Like, you just have to try something different because like swap, swap the sure, Alpha Tard McLaren drivers. Do it, do it, do it. I mean, I guess it works, but like McLaren have Pato Award. He's tested the F1 car before. Like, just yeah. try something out at that point. Like, you have nothing to lose by bringing him in and like pretty effectively nothing to gain also because it's not like daniel ricardo is giving you anything if he's scoring four points in like 12 or 13 races like it's not you're not getting you're not doing anything it's like going to be a lateral move at best and that's fine for mclaren like just focus on 2023 let lando shine let pay to award get some experience in a car and then you just chalk up your season and you take p4 and move on with your life yeah for sure and we are just past the hour mark at this point. So I think we can give our Formula One on one update uh, and then we can sign off. Yeah. So, you know, Justin, a, a couple of uh, a funny things as I was listening back and reviewing what we said uh, just a few days ago in our Formation Lab episode, <laughs> you said that the Ferrari powertrain would be good down the straights <laughs> and that Magnuson would be P9 giving Haas points. <laughs> I don't know if you could have been any more incorrect about like everything in that statement clearly magnuson dnf clearly the ferrari failed <laughs> on power engines or on its power unit multiple times on the straight i'm sorry ferrari and fans it just was not good i'm sorry yeah, guys maybe this was justin's way of like maybe justin has like a voodoo doll of like mattia binotto or something <laughs> sorry <laughs> and, like, lena sorry isabella i cursed ferrari it's okay though <laughs> um but I, you know, in fairness, I also had a similar moment where I said Charles won't get screwed over by Ferrari, and <laughs> yeah. lo and behold, 
Ferrari screwed over <laughs> not just Carlos, not just Charles, but also K Mag and Zhou Guan Yu. So a pretty tough look, I would say, for for Ferrari as a I really both hope as a constructor and as a supplier. I really hope next weekend, um, Charles gets like out of the race, like crashed into by Carlos. So then he in three weekends in a row he gets screwed over by the pit wall, then the car, and then his teammate. So he completes the perfect trifecta. <laughs> It's actually really funny. Like, if that happens, if okay, if that happens in in Montreal, like we're investigating you for like <laughs> match fixing or something, or like <laughs> like bribery, because that's that cannot be happening. Um, but to kind of get into our pre race predictions, we both obviously incorrectly predicted the pole position. We both had Max Verstappen taking pole. We both obviously corrected the correct race winner. Um, obviously Max won the race this morning or this afternoon, depending on where you are. Justin, you predicted Haas points, which obviously did not happen. I went the other way, so I'll take 10 points there. We both predicted a Red Bull Racing 1-2 finish. So again, no like change, net and change in points, but we both get 10 points there. And then I predicted an I am stupid moment at the castle section. I mean, it happened in F2. Yuri Vips crashed into the wall, but it's not F1. It's not what we were talking about. So Justin, you went the other way when we predicted. So you'll take 10 points. So we both take 30 points out of the weekend. I also got 25 points as a result of our preseason predictions. Uh, the question pertaining to pick three races, you get five points per DNF. I took Azerbaijan. There were five DNFs today, so I get five times five, 25 points for a total of 55 points on the weekend. And as a result, I have reclaimed the lead of the Formula One-on-One -on -one Championship. I have 315 points to Justin's 293. But like the actual F1 teams, Justin, there's a long season ahead of us. This could definitely shape up to be a very, very competitive season. And it's only 22 points. That's like two questions. And I've shown that I can get a zero point weekend at times. So you're definitely still in this by, by all means. Yeah, exactly. It's very disappointing because I was really hoping that there wasn't going to be any DNFs this weekend. I was fine when it was just the two Ferraris, <laughs> but then they had to retire Lance Stroll on lap 48 of 51 and give you another five. And obviously K-Mag and uh, Guan Yu Zhou kind of gave you extra points. So it was very unfortunate for me. But with that being said, Obviously, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. This one was kind of a long one. So if you've made it this far, thank you as always. Please follow us on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at F1on1pod. Those are the numbers one. And rate us five stars on whatever listening platform you are listening to us on. And thank you again for doing that. Uh, our next episode will be, I believe, this next Thursday with the Montreal GP's uh, Formation Lap episode. But until then, enjoy your week, and we will see you then. Peace. Have a good one, guys.